Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 100 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, and I'm all by myself today. Uh, We were going to do a big, fun, crazy intro for our 100th episode and then jill had to go do jury duty so jill's doing her civic duty and and all that good stuff um which of course everyone should do just unfortunate because happened to fall in line with when we were going to do our big fun 100th episode uh introduction so just me today for this uh sorry if you prefer jill's voice to mine i totally understand i won't be mad at you if you do Uh, On today's episode, we had an interview with Barry Liga, and it was a whole bunch of fun. Um, I want to first give a shout out to Little Brown. Uh, They're the publisher who publishes Barry's books, and we were kind of scrambling for a last minute uh, 100th episode guest. Uh, We wanted to do something big and fun, and at the last second, we had uh, a potential author that had to be delayed just a little bit. So uh, the very last second, Little Brown stepped up big and, and gave us a really great interview to do. So uh, I think a lot of times we, we don't mention the fact that the publishers that we work with every single day are some of the reasons that we're able to do all of these wonderful interviews for you uh, because they make their authors available to us. So thank you, Little Brown. You guys are wonderful. We really appreciate it. Um, Barry was an absolute blast. He... Uh, I would say sit down with us, but it was actually over the phone. But I'm going to assume he was sitting down when he when he chatted with us. Um, Barry writes young adult books, and he writes comics, and he writes a whole bunch of kind of dark stories that are all about like serial killers and their children. And um, Bang is his latest novel, and it's all about a child who, when he was four years old, accidentally shot and killed his baby uh, sibling and then trying to come to terms with that 10 years later and and figuring out what to do with his life and um, you know trying to overcome that grief and and all the different emotions that you know go with such a tragic event Um, as heavy as that subject is this conversation was actually you know very lighthearted and a lot of fun Uh, Barry has his own podcast that he does with his wife, who is also in the publishing industry. So we talked about that for a while. Uh, We had some great conversations about comics and just a whole bunch of really, you know, just good stuff. It was a whole lot of fun. And again, thanks again to Little Brown for making him available to us. I do want to say uh, to everyone who has been, you know, listening in for 100 episodes, whether this is the first time you're listening in or you've listened literally since the first episode, thank you so much. Uh, we absolutely love doing this for you guys. You know, Jill and I jokingly talked about at the beginning of the podcast, you know, the reason we created this was because we spend every day in our office talking about books with all of our coworkers. Um, 
we literally are professional book nerds. We work for Overdrive, and every single day is you know, filled with conversations about the latest books we've been reading, the books we want to read, um, basically everything we turned into this podcast. So hope you're really enjoying the book recommendations. Again, we always love getting feedback from you. So if you want to shoot us an email at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com, um, you can also find us on Twitter at ProBookNerds, and we, we say this a lot, but if you want to you know, just send us a quick message, we have a bunch of professional librarians here in addition to all of us giant book nerds. So if you want to get a book recommendation, just let us know what you're reading, and we will happily do some research and find some books that we know that you'll absolutely love. That's what we do every single day here, so uh, take advantage of that if you haven't already. Um, I also want to tell you that we do have... A lot of really exciting authors coming up in the very near future for you. I'm incredibly excited to talk about them. I'm not going to do it just yet because I don't want to be the one person who gets to give you really exciting news without Jill being here. Last thing I want to do is get to have a blast while she's sitting in jury duty. That would be very mean of me. So, again, if you want to reach out to us at pro at pro book nerds on Twitter or just email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive dot com. Um, yeah, I'm going to let you guys take a listen to this interview with Barry Liga. And yeah, 100 episodes of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. That's crazy. Uh, again, thank you so much for listening in and, and sticking with us in the beginning when we had horrible audio. And, and now it's a little bit better, I hope. Um, and now I'm just rambling because I'm in the office by myself and, and Jill is in here. So, all right, that's enough chatter from Adam. I hope you guys truly enjoy this 100th episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Hi everyone, this is Adam and Joe from Team Overdrive, and today we're joined by Barry Liga, who has been called a YA rebel author by Kirkus Reviews. Barry has published 17 novels in various genres over his 11-year career to date, including the New York Times bestselling I Hunt Killers. His books have been or are slated to be published in more than a dozen languages. Prior to becoming a full-time writer in 2006, Barry worked in the comic book industry, and his latest novel, Bang, comes out April 17th. Barry, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. <coughs> Speaking of coughing. coughing. Um, (laughs) Would you mind kicking off our chat by telling our listeners a bit about Bang? Sure. Uh, Bang is the story of a kid named Sebastian Cody. Sebastian is 14 years old, and 10 years ago, when Sebastian was four, uh, he was playing with his father's loaded gun that had been left unattended in the house and accidentally shot and killed his infant sister. And he has been living with that ever since. As you can imagine, this isn't the sort of thing that just goes away. And uh, the book is you know, set 10 years after that happened. He's 14 years old. And uh, he's, he's trying to figure out how you, how you live with something like that. And he's also trying to figure out if you do live with it or maybe, maybe, maybe you don't. Maybe you go away. And I mean, it should go without saying, but obviously Bang touches on a lot of incredibly timely and, and important subjects, things you know, like suicide and, and depression, as well as religion and, and racial prejudice. And then, of course, you know, gun violence being one that I'm sure people would think would be obvious. Uh, but I've seen you say that you, know, you didn't set out to write a gun control novel. Uh, but did you plan to spark conversations organically on all of these other subjects? Or did those just kind of come up as you were writing the story? 
You know, I, I, I never think to myself when I'm working on something, oh, I'll, I'll spark conversations on a particular topic. <laughs> uh, it, it, the, the book itself just sort of takes on a life of its own uh, in the writing of it, and things that just make sense to me go into it. So all of these things that, that you were talking about, you know, suicide, depression, um, and gun violence, they all seem naturally to connect together. And then there is a, the character of Anissa, who is a new girl in town who is a Muslim, who becomes a friend of Sebastian's, and so issues of religion, racial prejudice, Islamophobia, those sorts of things just naturally become an outgrowth of the story as a result. It would, it would be strange if they weren't part of the story. Um, and, and I don't go into it thinking, gee, this will make people talk about these things. I do hope that they'll make people think about them. Uh, and, and, you know, if, if more than two people buy the book, then maybe they will talk about it. <laughs> So sort of along those same lines, um, we always like asking what the author's writing process is like. We saw in a Library School Journal interview you did recently that the idea for Bang came from a conversation with your wife, but did you have the whole story planned before writing, or did it kind of come to some of the twists and turns as you were in the process? You know, this book was such a strange um, process for me. It was sort of a a hyper-condensed, uh, version of the way I, I typically write books because I, I was very time constrained. My wife and I had just had our first child and I was a stay-at-home dad and I was, so I was taking care of this, this infant and uh, so I didn't have a lot of time to write. I had still time to write and as a result the, the general outline of the book occurred to me almost immediately as soon as she suggested the, the basic idea, hey, what if what if you, somebody wrote a book about one of these poor kids who accidentally killed somebody? And uh, and as soon as she said that, pretty much, the, sort of the arc of the story occurred to me. When I say the arc, I mean, I, I had a general idea of how it began, I had a general idea of how it ended, and I sort of understood an important emotional epiphany that would have to come somewhere in the middle of the book. And that's generally how all of my books occur to me. Uh, I usually have sort of those three points of reference. Those, those are my stars that I use to guide myself. Everything else sort of fills itself in as I'm working on it. But in this case, you know, I, it was, I didn't have time to sit down for three hours and really crank out, you know, some, some prose. I sort of had, oh, the baby's asleep. I have maybe 20 minutes after getting a shower and brushing my teeth <laughs> to sit down and write. And so it was more like, I know that this paragraph will appear somewhere in this book. I don't know where, I don't know when, I don't know how or why, but I know that this paragraph will appear, and I would write that paragraph, and that would be all I would get done. And that's how this book was written. It was written very piecemeal, and then at some point, it took on enough enough density that I was able to sit down and look at it and start to organize it into an actual story as opposed to just pieces of a story scattered across a document somewhere. Uh, so it, it was a really, really weird uh, way to do it. And I've, I've written other books this way, but I tend to have a little more leeway and a little more leisure. So it's not just, here's a paragraph, it's here's a scene or here's a chapter, and I'll fit this whole chapter in later. This is the first time I did it down to the paragraph level. And somehow I managed to keep it all in my head and, and make it work. <laughs> the idea of writing a book with little ones running around and, and crying and all that stuff just... It's such a monumental task to write mm-hmm. a book in the first place. So doing it with all that going on in the house, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> it, was, it was a pretty crazy time, I have to admit. And of course, given the subject matter of the book, I mean, I'm, I'm writing about a, a dead, you know, four-month-old baby 
while my four month old baby is you know sleeping in a bassinet next to me. That was that was uh, that messed with me. There's no question about it. That that was very difficult to do. Yeah. Um, so something else that really sticks with me about Bang, and I've actually been thinking about this a lot lately. Uh, last week, Joe and I did a episode all about books that make us cry, and uh, something along those lines. Th- for me, I, I tend to notice when a tragedy happens, people are, are usually, you know, very generous and, and sympathetic to the people who have had that tragedy happen around them. And they use you know, that generosity and sympathy really only lasts for a certain amount of time before they expect you to go back to, you know, your normal life, which isn't really ever going to happen again. And I think people deal with tragic events entirely differently. And the grief that Sebastian seems to feel, you know, even a, a decade later is something that I, I think that it shows young readers that it's okay to hold on to sadness, right? You know, people tend to deal with things entirely different, just depending on their emotional scale. Yeah, I mean, I, we, we sort of live in a, um, in a, oh, you poor thing, and then five minutes later, get over it culture. Right. Uh, you know, we, we sympathize, we empathize, but it only lasts so long, and then it's like, okay, get over it. And... You know, this is a case where this kid is never, never able to really talk about what happened, never able to to deal with it and get past it in any sort of helpful way. Even though he's, he's been in therapy, um, you know, and, and sort of the, the radiating effects of something like this, where you know the the family breaks up as a result, which often happens in these cases. So, in addition to, gee, when I was a kid, before I even formed memories, I shot and killed somebody. In addition to that, it's and now my dad is gone, and, you know, everybody looks at me, and everybody knows that I did this, and, and all of the things that, that come with something like that, that just sort of stack on top of each other, and just, just weigh you down as each, as each new plate falls into to place on top of you, um, I, I think that, that that makes it complicated, and, and I, I agree that it's a good thing for, for young readers, it's a good thing for anybody to know that, that it's okay to be sad, uh, but I do think one of the things the book wrestles with is, is how sad and what do you do with that sadness because Sebastian has some very dark notions of what to do with that sadness. Right. Um, some people want to sort of shield young readers from books about difficult topics, but I'm a librarian. You know, I feel that the, these types of books are essential reading for teens. So what are your thoughts on teens having access to books that tackle things like prejudice, violence, school shooting, sexuality, all of that? I mean, kids live in a world where they have access to prejudice, violence, school shooting, sexuality, and things like that. Um, I, I, nobody has ever been able to explain to me how taking away a book about, say, child abuse is going to protect a kid who has been abused as a child. Nobody has ever been able to explain to me how taking away a book about violence is going to shield somebody from actual violence in the real world. I, 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 that is such an alien mindset to me. Um, it, it, it just it literally makes no sense. I, I don't understand it. Um, you know, if, if you told me, if you could somehow prove to me that taking Bang off of the bookshelves and burning every copy of it would guarantee that no child ever died by gun violence again, I, I would be open to that conversation. But that's just not how it works. Um, art doesn't create the world. Art reflects the world. And, and I don't understand the attitude that um, because bad things happen in the world, we should pretend they don't. I don't get that at all. You are preaching to the choir. I, we are all... <laughs> yeah, I was afraid of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are all on the same page here. <laughs> um, 
so I can't imagine, as you were talking about, I can't imagine writing a book that deals with with these you know incredibly tragic events and kind of going into a bit blind. So did you do any research in regards to you know how people, you know, especially teens, deal with tragedy? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know is the answer I'm not supposed to give. <laughs> we live in this. We, we live in this really interesting time for for fiction right now, where people want their make believe stories to be absolutely true, uh, and I, I don't quite understand it. Uh, one of the questions I get frequently is, you know, did this happen? Um, you know, how much of this actually happened? And that's with regard to any any of the books that I've written. Um, and you know, one of the things about fiction is that it is made up. And it can be inspired by something that actually happened. But at the end of the day, I, I rely on, for better or for worse, I rely on sort of my, my own imagination and my personal empathy. Um, you know, when I write a character like Sebastian, or, you know, 10 years ago when I wrote Josh in Boy Toy, or just a few years back when I wrote Jazz and I had Killers, I sort of, I, I say to myself, okay, imagine that I am 14 years old and 10 years ago I shot my, my baby sister. Imagine that. I'm 17 and my father is a serial killer. Imagine I'm 18 and five years ago I was molested by my teacher. What now? What now? What do I do now? Because I feel like if if all you do is research that sort of thing, you're going to find out how a certain person or group of people responded and reacted. But we human beings are extraordinarily varied and we react to things differently. And I sort of trust myself that, that I can sort of and put myself in the shoes of one of these poor kids and from there extrapolate what my life what might be like. It's almost like method acting in a way. Uh, you know, you, you pretend you're that person and you see what happens and you see where it takes you. And that's, that's what I did with Sebastian. Um, I, I just, I put myself in his mindset and, and I ran with it. And I, I feel like it worked. On a lighter note, um, <laughs> pizza... Uh, pizza... Pizza plays an important role in uh, in Bang, and I've seen you say that it's some a of... huge. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I tell people. I tell people this is a dark book. It's a tough book, but there's pizza. Trust me, there's pizza. So we've seen that you say that some of those are your own recipes. So of course we have to ask: Do you have a favorite type to make? Yeah, I mean, I I love playing around pizza and experimenting with pizza. Um, there, there's a pizza that I believe is in the book. I think I used it in the book. It's uh, it's like a, a shaved pear. And, uh, and and caramelized onion pizza. And uh, the first time I made that, I made that for my wife when we were dating. Um, and uh, and I thought, and as I as I was making, I thought, oh, this is a huge mistake. This is not going to turn out. It's pear on a pizza. What are you thinking? What are you doing? And oh my God, it's amazing. It's so good. And she married <laughs> you, so yeah. I was going to say, it seems like it worked out she okay. She married me. She married me. So yeah, it worked. It worked. Uh, so, so, so I, I want to call this out. You know, want to ask you about your own podcasting background, but I do just want to point out clearly we are three professional podcasters here since we just transitioned from murdering infants to pizza in in one foul swoop. <laughs> well, but you know, the, the book does the same thing. So that, it's okay. See, that, there, there you go. go. Um, Obviously, you know, like I just said, you know, you, you're clearly very comfortable with the idea of podcasting, a lot of it because of the fact that, you know, you have a podcast with your wife. So would you mind giving yeah. our listeners just a little bit of background on, on what you guys chat about? Sure. Let's break for a commercial. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we, have, we have a podcast called Writing in Real Life, which is uh, basically we talk about 
marriage, writing, publishing, and parenthood, uh, and sort of the intersection of those things. And, uh, and, and we started it probably about four or five months after our first child was born, which is, you know, just the perfect time to start something new. <laughs> uh, but uh, we had a lot of fun with it. We, those are the issues we talked about. We sort of alternate being the, the lead person of the show. And uh, we have a really good time. We're on hiatus right now because we just had our second child a few weeks ago. And we're not that crazy that we would try <laughs> to do a, a podcast while we've got an infant screaming at you know all hours of the night. But we will come back at some point once uh, once this one learns how to sleep. Uh, and and we, we have a lot of fun with it. We we you know we talk about my wife. I should you know, tell your listeners it's not just me talking to my wife. She's also a ghostwriter. She's a New York Times bestselling ghostwriter, and she's also a publishing executive. She uh, she's a vice president at the Scholastic. So she has an insight into writing and publishing that I don't have. I have an insight that she doesn't have, and we, we, uh, we have a lot of fun talking about that stuff. So as you just said, you you know you and your wife are both in the literary world. Um, so we sort of imagine that like you have a great home <laughs> library and that you just have like lots of conversations about books like all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, is it like that at home? That's pretty close. Um, <laughs> it's funny because we just moved recently. And we thought, oh, you know, after years of living in tiny Brooklyn apartments, we thought, oh, we'll finally have enough room for all of our books. And uh, we're still having trouble finding places to put them. So, it, uh, so, so you're, you're dead on with the home library bit. Um, and uh, as far as the conversation, yeah, I mean, when we're not talking about baby spit up, um, we, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's funny, I never really thought of it, you know, as a specific thing. But yeah, we, we talk about books a lot, and we talk about publishing a lot. Um, there will, a lot of times, we will, you know, I'll be in my office working and she'll be sitting out in the living room with the baby and we'll just be uh, using our phones to airdrop articles about the publishing business to each other <laughs> and say, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? And, and, uh, and then we'll sit down later and talk about them all after we've read them. So yeah, you know, we, we, we have, you know, definitely one of those marriages where we're both interested in the same things and involved in the same things. But again, she's, you know, on the business side, I'm on the, the writing side. So we definitely come at it from different perspectives. And that makes that makes for a lot of interesting conversations. I have to say, we feel your pain when it comes to where to put books. Everyone always assumes because we work at Overdrive that we only read ebooks, which it couldn't be further right. from the truth. We read yeah. any type of book. And so it first off, all of our homes are <laughs> stacked. But if you were to ever come to our office here in yeah. Cleveland, literally every single cube is just stacked with books. It's pretty comical. So we oh, feel sure. your pain. There's you know, you can never have enough space for all the books yeah. that you're gonna continue getting. Oh, I know, I know. And and you know, ebooks do make it easier. I mean there's no question. Ebooks make it easier to read the same number of books in the le- in less space. But, you know, people buy you books as gifts or you're traveling somewhere and you, you know, buy a paperback or you know, I mean sometimes there's just books you want to read paper. I mean, you know, there, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Um, and of course being in publishing, I mean people send me books all the time. Yep. So, um, you know, uh, yeah, there's a lot of books. Yeah. Well, and then those are all usually advanced reader copies, and you're not supposed to give those away to anyone, or so you're just like right. stuck with yeah. all these stacks of. Yeah, I we definitely know where you're coming from. Um, yeah. So you talked about you know trying to not do a ton of research in for for books, uh, you know, by design and kind of put yourself in the character's mindset, but. 
Uh, I saw on your website when you were talking about I Hunt Killers that uh, there's a, I think it's something on your website or maybe on a, an interview I saw of it. Uh, you said that you know way too much about how to dispose of a dead body. Um, oh yeah. So were you ever were you ever concerned about like your browser history? Anyone discovering any of that stuff while you were writing oh, those yeah, books? Yeah, sure. And, and and that that's a different kind of research. I mean, before <laughs> we were talking about sort of research into you know how people feel and how they react to things and that sort of thing. Um, with that, I rely on myself. But for Island Killers, I mean, there was stuff about police procedure, law enforcement procedure, forensic science, serial killer pathology. I mean, that you can't fake that stuff. So I did a ton of research for, uh, for the Idaho Killer series. And yeah, I mean, I was, you know, uh, long before the TV show with the same name came on, um, I typed how to get away with murder into Google. <laughs> um, because, because I realized, I realized as I was researching on killers that I knew all sorts of ways to catch killers now. Uh, but I, you know, I needed my killer to get away with it. So I'm like, oh, how do you get away with it? And I thought, you know what? I bet somewhere online somebody has written about this. So I typed how to get away with murder into Google, and I'm happy to report that, again, this is before the TV show, I'm happy to report that there were no hits. So <laughs> that information is not easily accessible. So I had to really sort of reverse engineer from what I knew about law enforcement procedure and forensic science. I had to sort of reverse engineer to figure out how to get away with that. But, yeah, my browser history from that period of time is really kind of scary. Um, and I think probably the only thing that I have that, that will protect me is I'm on the record as having spoken to the FBI around that time about some of their procedures. So so somewhere there's a record of the fact that, yes, I was writing a book. I wasn't trying to figure out how to kill somebody. I was actually writing a book. Oh, I don't know. As someone who, like, used to watch Law & Order and CSI, I, like, had in my brain, like... You know, like, this is what you have to do. <laughs> you... yeah. Not that I have any plans, but just in case. <laughs> well, and the, the crazy thing is that, you know, you learn these weird little tidbits. So I have, when I do school visits, I tell the kids what I call serial killer fun facts, um, which are just these weird, obscure things I learned about serial killers. And uh, and the, the last thing I tell them is, is a hint about how to, how to foil forensic science if you do kill somebody. <laughs> I'm sure the teachers love figure, that. I figure someday one of these kids is actually going to do it and uh, finger me for the guy who inspired him, and, and that's when I have to leave the country. So. Oh, there you man. go. There you go. So in addition, in addition to being a full-time writer, podcaster, father, you're also doing something on your website that I'd love our listeners to know about. Can you talk a bit about the short stories you're writing each month and what you're doing with the money when you sell yeah, them? Yeah, um, <laughs> I am... I am publishing in all the usual places, so Amazon, Kobo, iBooks, uh, Barnes & Noble. Uh, every month for 2017, I'm publishing a short story, and uh, each short story is $1.99. It's only available for one month, so if you miss the January one, you missed it. Um, and all the money from those stories is going to the ACLU. Uh, and I'm, I'm doing that because obviously, you know, uh, things are scary with regards to civil liberties right now. And, you know, a lot, of, a lot of conversation from a lot of different people revolves around, you know, what can I do, what can I do? And there's a lot that individuals can do, you know, calling their representatives, getting involved locally, donating money to organizations, and I'm doing all of those things. But I, I wanted to do something else, and I thought, you know, the, the, only, the only thing I have that you could remotely charitably call a skill set is I can write stories. 
And I thought maybe I can leverage that to give a little more money to the ACLU on top of whatever else I and, and other people are donating. So, uh, yeah, so the, those stories are, are going out there. Um, we're recording this in March. Will, will this broadcast in March? Will this be yeah, in March? yeah, this will go up in the okay. middle of the month. Okay. So we are, we are recording this in March. The March story is called The Ideas of March. And I love this story. I actually wrote it like 10 years ago. And for a variety of reasons that I explained in the, in the ebook itself, uh, it never, it, it, it wasn't able to be published anywhere. And so I'm publishing it now. And uh, it's a really fun story. So I hope people will check it out and buy it and contribute. As I mentioned before, you are speaking to, to <laughs> like-minded people. So we, we voraciously agree with yeah. what you're doing. So... I think it's an awesome idea. Um, something so I mentioned in the the intro that you had a background in the the comic book world, and so just have a little fun. I'm always curious with anytime I talk to anyone who has a history with comic books. A, do you have a favorite? And B, if you could write a story in a comic book universe of any kind, what would you choose? Um, yeah, I mean, favorite comic book is definitely the Legion of Superheroes which currently is not being published. Uh, but that was the comic that I fell in love with as a kid. Um, it just blew me away because it's, you know, it's not just one superhero or two or even a dozen. It's 25 superheroes. That's why it's called a legion. And uh, it's set a thousand years in the future. So you don't just have 25 people with costumes and powers. It's also science fiction because it's set so far in the future. So I love that comic. And the crazy thing is the guy who wrote it when I was a kid uh, a guy named Paul Levitz, who's a terrific comic book writer. We're friends now. Like, it's just, it worked out that way that, you know, I grew up and became his friend. And it's like <laughs> the strangest thing to, to, to grow up and become friends with somebody who created something that was so uh, influential to your childhood. Um, if I could write a story in a comic universe, in a heartbeat, I have, for 10 years now, I have had the, the world's greatest Wonder Woman story bouncing around in my head. And I would love to write that story. Uh, unfortunately, DC does not seem interested in having me write that story. <laughs> but man, I would do it in a heartbeat. So, yeah. That's that's very, that's timely. That's well, with the movie yeah. coming out, and I, that's, a, that's a really good one. I know, I know, I know. So, um, we have what we call the Nerd Nine, which are nine sort of quick answer questions so don't put too much thought into any of these okay they never end up they never end up being rapid fire like i know expect them to be. they're not really rapid fire but we sort of pretend they are yeah okay so what's okay. the the last book you finished reading the last book i finished reading um <coughs> sorry about that uh, let's start that over here the last book i finished reading was a book by timothy hallinan um and i i I can't, I read like three of his in a row, and I'm not I'm not remembering the title right now. Um, I think it was Little Elvises by Timothy Hallinan. It was okay. the last book that I finished. Your favorite place to read? My favorite place to read. I really love crashing on the sofa in my living room. I don't get to do it that often because usually there's a child there. <laughs> I I love to just crash on the sofa and read. Do you have any guilty pleasures? Reading wise. No, just in, just general. in general. Oh, just in general. Um, ooh. Yeah, um, uh, on, on Thursdays, HGTV runs a marathon of uh, Flip or Flop, <laughs> and I usually have that on in the background. I, I don't know why. 
Right. I don't know why. <laughs> right. But uh, I usually have that on in the background. Okay. One place you would like to travel to that you haven't been to yet? Uh, I would love to go to Iceland. Oh. I've never been, and I hear it's really cool. No pun intended. <laughs> Do you have a favorite holiday? A favorite holiday? Um, wow. I, you know, especially now that my kid gets it, I really like Halloween. Mm-hmm. Coffee or tea? Oh, tea. Oh, I hate coffee. Ooh. Whoa. Whoa, those are yeah, fighting no, words. I, I, I know. It's like they're going to kick me out of the, uh, the writer's union. Oh, man. But, uh, <laughs> but, oh, my God. I just don't understand how people drink that stuff. Oh, oh my God. You have cut me deep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cats or dogs? Uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I guess if you put a gun to my head, I'd say dogs, but I grew up in a house. We had every animal you can imagine when I was growing up. I lived in a zoo, basically. We had <laughs> rabbits and, and, and geckos and chameleons and turtles and hamsters and dogs and cats. And I mean, we had, I, I love animals, period. All right. Uh, favorite food? Favorite food? I am going to say um, uh, my, my kryptonite, buffalo wings. <laughs> If you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would you pick? Wow. Um, you know what? I'm going to say Steve Jobs. That's a good one. That is a good yeah. one. Just, just, you know, I was going to say one of my grandparents, but they're all dead, and I couldn't just pick one of them. So, that's, yeah, Steve Jobs. That's fair. Uh, so our last question for you, what do you hope readers take away from reading Bang? Um, that's always a difficult question for me because I, I don't want to feel like I'm sort of how people should interpret the book, but I, I hope that I hope that what they take away from. Hang on one second. Sorry, I had to. You coughed. That's okay. I hope that what people will take away is, is what they take away from any of my books, which is what it is like for the space of these few hundred pages to live in somebody else's head, to live somebody else's life, to feel somebody else's guilt and joy. And, and and hopefully that just helps them understand their own life a little bit better. Um, you know, we, we're, we're stuck in ourselves. We can't get outside of ourselves. Books are one of the few ways that we can get outside of ourselves and see the world from a different perspective and, and maybe bring a little of that back to ourselves. So I, I know that sounds a little, uh, a little artsy-fartsy, but, but that's always what I aim for with my books. I think that's a great answer. Barry, other than your beliefs on coffee it was an absolute pleasure chatting with you today i like the smell of coffee don't get me wrong i love the smell of it when my wife makes coffee i'm very happy because i love the smell of it but i tried drinking it and i'm like oh it, it's just swill anyway so right. there you go Sorry. well other than that it was an absolute pleasure thank you so much for joining us today thanks for having me guys Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.